Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright, and thank you for joining me today. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, more specifically in the Fellowship of the Ring, as the elves are saying goodbye to Frodo and his companions, they gave them food and some clothing. The food in particular was uh, a type of thin cakes wrapped in some leaves. And the elves explained that that food, which was a sort of bread, was very nutritious, pleasant, and would be good for a long time and give them a long uh, spell, let's say, of energy, if you want. So the elves said, we call it lembas or whey bread, and it is more strengthening than any food made, made by men and more pleasant. And later they added, these things are given to serve you when all else fails. The cakes will keep sweet for many, many days if they are unbroken and left in their leaf wrappings as we have brought them. One will keep a traveler on his feet for a day of long labor. So while Tolkien's story is a fictional one, I see in this food a symbol of the sacrament of the Eucharist, which has the form of bread and therefore is called not the bread of elves, but the bread of angels. And that's how it's known in the tradition of the church. It has always been considered a food for the journey. That is a spiritual nourishment that gives us strength for the temptations and difficulties that lie ahead during our journey through this world. In fact, in Frodo's journey up to Mount Doom, this whey bread became a lifesaver of sorts, as in a certain occasions he had no food to eat for several days, and this whey bread helped him to continue walking and struggling ahead. So this whey bread of Tolkien, of the Lord of the Rings, has many resemblances with the Eucharist. Although the symbolism, I think, falls short, because the Eucharist is not only bread, it is infinitely more than that. It is the body and blood of Jesus Christ himself, true God and true man. So just as an introduction to these upcoming episodes, let me lay the foundation clear. In the Blessed Sacrament, in the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar, in the Eucharist, there is no longer bread or wine. There is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ under the appearances of bread and wine. The entire substance of the bread and the entire substance of the wine have been changed into the entire substance of Jesus Christ, who is God and man. And he is in the Eucharist, risen and glorified, just as he is now in heaven. So I had shared with you in, the, in these past episodes that the sacraments of initiation are three, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist, which is the one we will be considering today. In the sacrament of the Eucharist, we have two realities, or two aspects of the sacrament. The Eucharist as a sacrifice, and the Eucharist as a presence. By the sacrifice, I mean the celebration of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, by which the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross is made present on the altar during the Mass. And by saying the Eucharist as presence, I mean the fact that Jesus Christ remains substantially present under the external appearance of bread and wine after the consecration. 
So we will look into these two aspects in the upcoming episodes, but I would like to present first some facts that I think are most inspiring and helpful to value and understand this Most Blessed Sacrament more clearly. So one of the most amazing mysteries of our Catholic faith are the Eucharistic miracles, at least I think so. So these are not always known, and many times they are disregarded. However, they are standing miracles that you can go and check out for yourself if you want. And what I mean is that many of these didn't just happen at one point in time in the past. Their effects are still visible today. There are many Eucharistic miracles, and you can look them up in Google or visit miracolieucaristici.org. It's a website of Eucharistic miracles put together by Blessed Carlo Acutis. So today, instead, I, instead of talking about all those, right, there are many, I'd like to share a bit. First, what is a Eucharistic miracle? And what might be the reason why God makes them happen? And then we will look into one of them in particular. There are many mysteries in the Catholic faith. Many of them have been revealed by Jesus Christ. But then there are some mysteries or, if you want, similar incredible things that are not directly part of the revealed content of the faith. But they are real things that happen in history by the power of God, and they will help illustrate and understand your faith. And they d definitely strengthen your faith. And these are things that are very difficult or impossible to explain through pure science, and therefore they po point, they show us a supernatural power that made them happen. Those are the miracles, right? And among these things, we have, for example, the fact that the bodies of some holy people that have died have not corrupted. Their bodies remain incorrupt, like, for example, the case of St. Bernadette Subiru. Her dead body is so well naturally preserved that it looks as if she were just sleeping. Then we also have the incredible Shroud of Turin, the cloth in which Jesus Christ was buried, and that has been imprinted mysteriously with an image of Jesus Christ at the moment of his resurrection, a fact that cannot be explained by science, but that points to the reality of the resurrection of Christ and therefore to his divinity as well. And then we also have the Eucharistic miracles. These are miraculous facts related to the Holy Eucharist. For example, it could be the transformation of either the bread or the wine, or both, that happened to either during the Holy Mass or sometime after the consecration of the secret species, into real blood or real flesh. And there are other miraculous things, but I'm trying to summarize here, so I will focus on just some Eucharistic miracles. So the Eucharistic miracles are not in themselves truths of faith, but they are a help. They are another reason to believe. They are not stating directly that the body of blood of Jesus Christ, true God and true man, are in every consecrated host, but they are an indication, a sign that that is the case. What I mean is that the fact that such miraculous transformations take place and that it's a transformation into human blood and sometimes into human flesh points to the fact that all consecrated hosts contain the body and blood of Christ. Besides, many times the Eucharistic miracles happen as a result of some type of offense or sacrilege against the Eucharist. So the miracles are like Jesus Christ saying to us, you should treat the Eucharist with greater reverence, 
or you should worship and adore the Eucharist with more devotion. Now, of the many Eucharistic miracles, I'd say that the three most stunning ones that I know of are the ones of Lanciano and Orviero, both in cities in Italy, and Buenos Aires in Argentina. The miracle of Lanciano is one of the very first ones, and it happened in the 8th century, when a Brazilian monk, who was seriously doubting the truth of the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist, was celebrating Mass in what today is the town of Lanciano, Italy, when after the consecration of the bread and the wine, the bread turned into real flesh, and the wine into real blood. Both the flesh and the blood were kept, and they are still visible today. And you can go and adore what through faith we know to be the real flesh of Christ and the real blood of Christ. So there's quite more to say about this miracle, but I've said all that in episode number 40 with the help of Coley, a good friend of mine and who is in college now, who actually went and prayed before the Eucharistic miracle in Lanciano, and he shares in that Eucharist, in that uh, episode number 40, what he saw and what he experienced. So I encourage you to listen to that interview on episode 40. But just as a quick rundown, here are some of the basic facts of the miracle. It happened in the 8th century, while the priest was celebrating Mass, and the host turned into flesh and the wine into several clots of blood. This flesh and blood were scientifically investigated in 1981 and found to be real flesh and real blood of a human being. Moreover, this human flesh is from the muscles of the heart, and it's the blood is human blood and type AB, which is the same blood as the, found, the one found in the Shroud of Turin. Finally, the preservation of the flesh and the blood occurs naturally since the 8th century and is in itself something scientists have been unable to explain. Another powerful miracle is the one of Orvieto, which occurred in 1263. At that time, the Pope, Urban IV, was residing in the city of Orvieto, and a German priest known as Father Peter of Prague was doubting the truth about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. But he was a devout priest, so he went on pilgrimage to Rome to ask for an increase of faith in this mystery. On his way to Rome, he stopped at a town called Bolsena, which is actually around 14 miles from Orvieto. And as he was celebrating Mass during the consecration, the sacred host began to drip blood, and the blood dripped through his hands and onto the corporal and onto the other altar linens, the altar cloth and so forth. So the priest at first was deeply shocked and even tried to conceal the blood, but soon the amount of blood was too much, and he couldn't conceal it anymore. So he decided to inform the Holy Father, Urban IV, who was at the time in a near, nearby town of Orvieto. The Pope had the alleged miracle investigated to make sure that it was not, not uh, fake, but a real miracle. So once the investigation confirmed the authenticity of the miraculous transformation, the blood-stained corporal and the host were brought to Orvieto in solemn procession, and the Pope, together with the other cardinals, received this procession and the relics, especially the corporal, with all the solemnity that they could. From then, the Holy Father, the next year, 
1264, he instituted the liturgical feast of Corpus Christi, which we still celebrate today on the second Thursday after Pentecost. And actually, he commissioned the composition of several hymns for that feast, for that liturgical feast, to St. Thomas Aquinas. And this is how we now have the Tanto Margo, the O Salutaris Ostia, the Laudation, the Panis Angelicus, and the Adorote Devote. Now, some of these hymns that I just said are sections of longer hymns. So if you want all the details, you can find them all in this episode's note below. Anyway, Orvieto is an awesome medieval town. Remember, the miracle happened in Bolsena, but it was taken to Orvieto. So sometimes it's called the miracle of Bolsena, sometimes it's called the miracle of Orvieto, etc. But this town of Orvieto is a medieval town on the top of a hill, and it's a must-visit when you are near Rome. Um, And actually, Orvieto is more or less half the way between Rome and Florence. So if you go to Orvieto today, you can visit the amazing Duomo, or the cathedral, and in it, on the left, there's a side chapel with a blood-stained corporal displayed for adoration. And I had the grace to celebrate Mass in that chapel in 2005 and spend some time in adoration before that amazing miracle. So I hope this story may help you grow in the faith and the Holy Eucharist, and hopefully also you may commit to spend some more time every week in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. I think these miracles are a clear indication that we need to adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament because he's truly present. There is his blood, there is his flesh, and there is his body, and there is his soul, and there is his divinity. So he deserves our adoration. So in the upcoming episode, I will speak about the miracle that occurred in Buenos Aires. I am from Buenos Aires, and this miracle happened actually there the year before I was ordained a priest in a nearby town. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing your time with me today. Make sure you share this episode with other young people and remember to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your platform. And if possible, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. So that will encourage others to listen as well. May God bless you and we will see you next time.